So I want to begin uh, just by asking you to imagine just a hypothetical situation with me for a moment. So uh, just imagine that uh, you're going away for a winter vacation, just all winter. You're tired of the Nashville thing where it's like this weekend, it's like 75 degrees and then snow the next day. You're like, I'm done with it. I'm migrating south with the birds. We're going to go to the Caribbean for four months. And just imagine, uh, it'd be kind of a dream or wherever vacation you want to go, Hilton Head or, you know, whatever your, whatever your thing is. Uh, just imagine you get to go there for four months. Your job allows you to do it. And you've got a house that you normally stay in and uh, you don't want the house to be by itself, you know, the whole time. You want somebody to take care of it. You want somebody to watch kind of what's going on. So you you get a college student, maybe you are a college student, you've done this before, but you get a student maybe to, to come house sit for you. And uh, so you get them set up. You're like, okay, you can use the kitchen. You can sleep in the bed. You can watch the TV. You can use the laundry. Like this, this house is, is really yours for the next four months and you get to use it and, and enjoy it. Um, and, and that person, uh, that, that house sitter, uh, does that all the while knowing that the house is not really theirs, right? And a, a great word to think of that student or uh, that person who's house sitting, a great word to think of that is that person is a steward. Uh, that, that word really speaks to what a house sitter does. They, they get to use and enjoy some of the benefits of what they're watching over, uh, but they don't do it with a sense of ownership, uh, they do it with a sense of respect and honor and care because it's not their house, right? So um, today I want to explore with you briefly about the idea of stewardship and the idea of what it means for us uh, that we are created by God as stewards. And typically when we talk about stewards, we talk about money and finances. This is not like how to budget better and be a better steward of your money. That's not what this sermon is about. Some of you are like, great. Uh, that's not what I wanted today. So um, that's not what we're talking about. I want to I explore what it means for us to be stewards of uh, creation today. Uh, what it means for us to steward the earth that God has given us. You know, we've been t- talking about that and singing about this already today. You know, we see God and the, the stars and in, in the sunset. And, in, and these are all things that God has given us in creation. And he's created us as stewards uh, to enjoy that. And, and so we can't wrestle with this from every angle or answer every question, but I do want to give you a little bit of my heart about like what God has been teaching me in this area over the past year and stretching me in and, and kind of share with you, hey, this is what I believe uh, the mission of God is about in some ways. And I want to invite us into that as a community, but also just kind of challenge you as a uh, even as an individual, a Christ follower, to take some steps in this area. So again, this, this might connect with you really deeply if you're already passionate about this. For others of you, this might be the first time you really consider some of this, and that, that's okay. So um, I want to jump in uh, beginning with Genesis 1. Uh, if you're using one of the blue Bibles, that's going to be on page 1. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the very beginning, so let's, uh, let's just turn to Genesis 1. And, and I, I want to begin... Uh, there. And then uh, after a while, we're going to switch over to Romans 8. Uh, so if you want to kind of hold a place marker, if you're like a forward thinker, you're like, I need to be there already so I can just turn and nail it. And uh, that's, that's really cool. That's on page 550 if you're using one of our blue Bibles. So Genesis 1 and Romans 8, where we're going to kind of be camping out today. So, um, you know, I want to catch you up briefly on what's going on in, in Genesis 1 and just kind of give you a picture of what God is up to, at, you know, in this, in this story so far. So if you read the first chapter of Genesis, uh, it's all about God creating everything. You know, there, there was nothing, 
Um, and then there was something, and God created it. You know, he spoke it into existence with, with his very words. And if you were to read the whole chapter, you'd see the different uh, facets of creation that God begins to unfold. And you know, each day or you know, whatever that means, it could be a day or it could be a you know, whole age, we're not really sure. And, and, and God just begins to create, and he creates the earth and the universe and the stars and the sky and the moon and the sun. There's all these different facets of creation. And, and after each kind of um, movement of creation, God proclaims, he says, this is good. Uh, this, I, I really made some good stuff here. <laughs> he like makes the earth. And he's like, yep, nailed it. Like that was, that is good right there. You know, the sunset and it's perfect. You know, it, that's, that's how God uh, viewed his creation when he made it. Uh, if we were to keep going, we're gonna jump into the, the verse in verse 26. And we're, we're gonna see when God creates uh, humans, when God creates man and woman. And I, I want you to pay attention to the mission that God gives creation, uh, created humans uh, at the very beginning uh, when, when everything was as it was intended. So let's jump in, uh, verse 26 to 31. Yeah, we're gonna read this and, and unpack it a little bit. So it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird in the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given uh, every green plant for food. And it was so. In verse 31, and God said, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So I love um, this, this picture of creation that we get, that God creates it and he calls it very good. Uh, you know, it's, it's beautiful, it's majestic, it's, it's amazing. That's what we were singing earlier. God, you're, you're just so beautiful. You've created this in such a beautiful way, right? I just want you to think for a moment and you can close your eyes if you want. Just kind of picture one of the most beautiful landscapes you've ever seen. Whether that's at the beach and the sun is setting, whether that's at the Grand Canyon, uh, whether that's at a national park, uh, whether you've hiked a big mountain before. You know, we all kind of have these moments where we just kind of step back and say, wow, like, this is beautiful. This is so amazing. And, and we see just right at the beginning, God created it good. And I want you to pay attention to the relationship that God builds in with humanity and creation right from the very beginning. He gives them sort of a mission statement right at the beginning. And he says, I want you to have dominion over the earth and over the animals, over the plants. And, and this word dominion is, is really important for us. It's not the same as the word domination. So when you think of dominion, uh, it, it implies a sort of stewarding like we talked about earlier. Whereas domination is gonna be more like uh, exploitation or uh, oppressing or kind of using something for your own gain. And even in the next chapter, um, you know, God tells uh, the, the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, to take care of the garden, uh, to, to steward it well, to take care of it and to work it. And it's this picture of God inviting humanity, inviting uh, the creation uh, of humanity into participating with him to stewarding the earth and to loving the earth well. Uh, I love what one scholar says about this. He says, uh, God makes us co-creators of the world. Uh, he invests in us the joy and the value of joining him in his mission of creation. 
That's kind of the picture of how God intended it, right? Uh, This beautiful, um, harmonious, peaceful relationship between creation and humanity where we're stewarding it, we're owning it with care and compassion, just like God does over creation. To oversimplify it, he invites humanity into the house, says, hey, you can use the kitchen, you, you, know, you can sleep in the bed, you can watch the TV, you know, Netflix is all yours. Like, uh, you, can, you can have this, but we do so just like the house sitter does with the knowledge, okay, this really isn't mine. And because it's not mine, uh, I'm gonna steward it in a way that is uh, with respect and care and intentionality, right? Um, so this is how God intended it to all unfold. Um, and that's exactly how it is today, right? Uh, no, it's like, that's, that's not how it is today. Uh, when we look at the world around us, um, that's not what I experience. Uh, that's, that's not what you experience on a day-to-day basis. That's not what we see unfolding with creation. Just think of creation by itself. You know, rather than peace and harmony in creation, uh, we see so much devastation so often. You think about the hurricanes that come through the Gulf and just decimate poor countries like Haiti. Just all the devastation and, and loss that that causes. Think about the earthquakes that caused the tsunami in Indonesia that left like half a million people injured or killed. It's like, man, that, that doesn't seem to be functioning how God intended it. That doesn't seem very good. You know, like what, what is good about that? You know, despite all the beauty and all the splendor we see and every sunrise, you know, we, we see these things, but it's like, man, something's off. Something is, is wrong. And what about our relationship to creation? Um, you know, is it, is it filled with stewardship and care and intentionality? I don't think we have to look far to see the ways that, that humanity is missing this, uh, that we're coming up short. I wanna give you just a few just ways that, that we see this unfolding. You know, we see human-caused climate change that's well-documented throughout the world. Serious threat for coming generations. Increase in, in weather patterns, polar ice caps melting, and all the things that are gonna unfold because of that. It's a little controversial, but I, I really believe that's happening. You know, you see 20 major cities around the world where they're almost mandated to wear masks because if they don't, they'll probably die when they go outside over time. They'll just, they'll, they'll get lung disease. You see rainforest that once covered 15 to 20% of the earth, vital to the earth's um, ecosystem, uh, have been reduced to 4 to 5% uh, in modern day because uh, of deforestation. The waste management website that deals with trash um, in the U.S. says that um, we put 63,000 garbage truckloads of trash straight into a landfill. Not every year, not every month, but every day. 63,000 garbage truckloads straight into a landfill where it's just going to sit. It doesn't decompose. There are literally, this is crazy to me, two islands of plastic garbage twice the size of Texas in the Pacific Ocean because of the way currents have herded the waste together. You can look it up. It's called the Great Pacific Garbage Patches. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, that, that's a real thing? Uh, you can look it up. And, and, and so we look at these kind of realizations in our world and we say, okay, is that how God intended us to have a relationship with his creation? Is that, how, is that what stewardship looks like? Is that, is that what caring for and having dominion over Uh, the earth looks like? Or does that look more like exploitation? And does that look more like oppression and using it for our own gain? And I think more often than not, that command to have dominion 
um, has been distorted to mean that creation is just made for humans and we get to use and abuse it however we want just because we, we're here and we're more important. Um, and we get to search for our wants and needs there. So I think this would be like in our original winter vacation scenario. You come back from your vacation, you know, you're uh, coming back from your winter vacation and, and you come to the front door and the front door's locked. So you try your key and you realize that the locks have changed. You're like, that's interesting. You st- sort of start taking notice of the house and it looks sort of beaten down. Some of the windows are broken. Um, there's like wind just like blowing through the house. The mailbox has been like um, run over by a car, probably put back up and run over again, it looks like. And you begin to look through the house and there's trash everywhere. It looks like multiple parties have been thrown. There's dogs in the house and you don't own dogs. And you're like, what has gone on here? And, and you begin like knocking on the door, trying to get in. And you hear your, your college student babysitter or your house sitter begin to exclaim, you gave it to me, this is all mine. Like, go away. And it's like, how ridiculous is that situation? But I think that's sort of what humanity is, is doing with, with creation in some ways. Uh, we, we take this thing that God has given to us to steward, to care for as a gift, uh, to have dominion over and respect for, and we've taken it as uh, our own. We've had ownership over it, and we've tried to exploit it uh, without care for, for what it means um, for uh, creation. So what happened? You're like, how did things get this way? Uh, this wasn't as God intended. You know, what, what distorted this whole trajectory that God intended for creation? So we don't have time to get into, uh, into this deeply, but if we were to keep reading in Genesis through chapter three, we would see this moment where humanity rebels from God. Uh, it's this moment that we call the fall a lot of times where sin enters into the world. And, and most of the time we think of sin entering into the world only through our human spiritual relationships, right? Uh, just between us and God or us and people, all that's fractured. But we don't usually think of how sin fractures and distorts even creation itself. This is sort of what has happened um, in, in the fall when sin enters into the world. So I wanna turn over to Romans 8 and, and I wanna look at you know, why, how that's unfolding, what it looks like today and, and, and kind of see maybe where things are headed and what that might mean for us. So let's jump over to Romans 8. It's on page 550 if you're using a blue Bible. And uh, just to set it up, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome in the first century. And he's just kind of uh, talking about a lot of different things throughout this whole book. And, and this little section um, comes at a time where Paul is talking about creation itself, apart from humanity, just the created world that we see kind of around us. And he's going to describe creation in some really interesting and ways that we don't normally think. So I want you to follow along. We're going to go um, verse 19 through verse 23. And just uh, sort of pay attention to how Paul describes creation. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together and the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So I want you to listen again, uh, just to a few phrases that Paul uses in there to describe creation. That, that text is just like packed full of meaning and like deep language, but I just wanna highlight a couple key phrases. So you hear the phrases that Paul uses to describe creation. He says, subjected, to futility. He's talking about that moment in Genesis 3 where uh, sin enters in the world and, and creation was subjected uh, to this futility and that, that causes um, some things. He says, bondage to decay. 
So creation doesn't exist um, uh, anymore in the way that it was intended, but it decays. It's like you, you get an apple and you leave it on the counter and it decays. Like, that's a result of, of what has happened in this fracturing moment in creation. And it's even interesting to me that um, he personifies creation in this way as almost having the, having the pains of childbirth and the groanings of the pains of childbirth, being in jail to decay. It's this you know, picture of like a person um, in a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and longing to be free. And, and that's something I don't often think about with creation. Uh, to be honest. I, I don't usually picture creation as a person that's in bondage to decay or to suffering or pain. And so we get this picture that, you know, Genesis 1, creation is created so good, so beautiful, and inherently peaceful and harmonious in, in the relationship that humans and creation share. Uh, but sin enters in, and there's this, distort, uh, there's this fracturing. It distorts everything, uh, both creation itself and our relationship to it. So that, that's kind of what's unfolded so far. But um, good news, uh, God doesn't want to leave it this way. Um, this is not where things uh, are going to end up. And uh, this is really cool. So if we, if we jump into Romans 8 again, right at the end of verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 20, uh, we see this, this glimmer of hope that creation uh, is longing for. So uh, read verse 20 and 21 with me again. It says, creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom uh, of the glory of the children of God. Now, um, that verse is just like packed full of things that we could talk about. But what I want us to see here is that he's saying one day creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and decay in the same way that humanity will be set free from its sin. That there's this longing in creation to have this redemption and restoration that, that God will bring one day. And what he's talking about this one day, you know, the song we sang earlier, when we arrive at eternity's shore, you know, that day that we're talking about is, is this uh, vision that John gives us at the end of Revelation, this vision of the end times where God sets everything right. Uh, God brings this new heaven and new earth into existence that we get to enter into and dwell with God exactly how God intended it in the beginning. That's the picture of like where things are headed. Like that's God's destination. Uh, things are redeemed. Creation has been restored. Uh, it's been uh, re set free from its bondage in all these ways, just like humanity itself will be set free. This is, this is just cool to me how big God's mission is in this way. So often we think of the mission of God so small in a tiny little box of, you know, just Jesus coming to earth, dying on a cross and, and uh, resurrecting so that sin could be dealt with and humans could have a right relationship with God. That is so true and vital and, hear me, central to what we believe and what we, what we do, uh, how we walk with God on our spiritual journeys, but it's not the full scope of what God is doing. There's this huge narrative that God is unfolding of taking creation that was distorted at the beginning and moving it back to this beautiful picture of how he intended it. And that includes humans, that includes creation, that includes all these aspects of, of what God is doing, being redeemed and restored into all that God intended. So I want you to think about this for a moment. You know, one day we, we believe that, that humans, you and I, if we believe in Jesus, will be restored to how we were created, free from sin, free from pain and suffering. You know, this picture of, you know, one day Jesus will return and things will be set right. God will implement this new heaven and new earth and we will be set free from our sin. So does that mean right now that we totally neglect all the sin in our life? 
We're just like, you know what? One day I'm gonna die, first of all, <laughs> and I'll go to heaven. And uh, all the stuff I did in life, it's not really gonna matter because I'm gonna be perfect with God. And that's gonna be great. That's not what we do, right? It's like, no, we, we look to that future reality and we anticipate that reality by partnering with God in the here and now uh, to bring what is future into the now. You know, that, that prayer that Jesus prays, would your kingdom come on heaven as it, on earth as it is in heaven? Like we want the future reality of God to be our present reality. So we partner with the Holy Spirit to defeat sin and, and to grow in Christ, even though one day we know we will be made fully perfect with God. Think about our relationships with one another. You know, one day we believe that um, every tribe, every tongue, regardless of uh, upbringing, socioeconomic status, racial diversity, all of those things uh, will, will not divide us anymore in the kingdom of God, but we'll be united around our love for Jesus. So does that mean right now we totally neglect um, everything um, that that picture holds for us? We're like, no, let's just get more homogenous, only with the people that are like us. It's like, no, we don't do that. We wanna anticipate that future reality. That's something we really wanna do here at Ethos is lean into uh, diversity, both racially, socioeconomically, like all these ways that we wanna lean into the future kingdom of God in the here and now. So in the same way, if create, this is where creation itself is headed, to be redeemed, to be restored into this new creation, how God intended. Does that mean right now we totally exploit it? Uh, we totally um, use it as our own without any regard uh, to what God intended? I don't think that's what God wants for us. I don't think that's what God desires for us in the here and now. I think God desires for us to worship him by anticipating what God will do in the future in the here and now, by bringing that future kingdom and how we uh, relate to creation into the here and into the now. So what do we do? You know, how, do we, how do we think about this? You know, what does this mean for us at Hillsborough Village, at Ethos, uh, on March 12th? Um, I think this has really serious implications for people that follow Jesus, um, seriously. I, I, I really think um, this goes beyond just wanting people who are far from God to place faith in Christ, although that is vital and important. I think it goes beyond advocating for social justice in the world and pursuing racial reconciliation in our communities, although that is vital and important. I think it moves us as followers of Jesus uh, to stewarding creation well, avoiding things that would contribute uh, to the further groaning and decaying of creation and to advocate for and anticipate what God is doing uh, in ways of stewarding creation. I was you know, teaching this this morning at the nine and they were also teaching it in the kids' class. And uh, you know, Carly, our, our kids, uh, kids director, was just kind of walking through uh, wh- how we do this, how do we recycle? And we we're just kind of doing some basic things with the kids. And, and one of the kids, her name's Callie, just got it, just light bulb moment. I can't wait to tell you this. So basically she's hearing this and she goes, so they're in Genesis one. She goes, okay, so like to litter and not recycle is to, uh, how did she say? It's, it's like littering on God's heart because God has poured out his heart in creation. And so when we litter, we litter on God's heart. And I was like, okay, let's just get her up here at the 11 and have her just say that and I'll, I'll just not preach. It's like, that, that's the picture of this. It's like God has poured out his heart in this creation. He's invited us to steward it well. And when we disregard the mission that God has for us in that, there's this idea of just casting off and kind of indifference or um, apathy towards what God is inviting us into there. 
So, so why does it feel weird when we talk about this? Like, I know when I started this, some of you were probably like, why are we talking about the environment? This is kind of weird for church. Like, you know, is this like, this is kind of weird. Like, Larkin seems really passionate about this. I'm not really there. This is kind of like not a normal church sermon gathering, you know, okay, so what's going on? And, and I think there's some reasons why there's a disconnect there, why, why it's not super normal to talk about this in a church setting. Um, I think there's some obstacles that we, we just run up against in our culture. So I, I wanna highlight just a few ways um, that we hit obstacles uh, to, to really leaning into this as a church and as a community. So um, I think the first one um, is just wrong theology. You know, theology is a word that we use for what we believe about God. So we just believe something wrong about God. And, I, and sometimes that is just believing that, you know, one day God's just gonna annihilate everything. You know, it's like big asteroid, boom, it's like, it's all gone. God's gonna recreate it. And so what does it matter if I, you know, litter or don't recycle? You know, what does that really matter if God's just gonna burn it all up in the end? And what that is, is just a wrong picture of, of what God is gonna do. It's a popular picture, to be honest. Um, if we read the scriptures, there's this picture of God not annihilating and destroying creation, but, but recreating it and transforming it into how he originally intended it. So, so that has implications for how we steward it in the here and now. That's the first one, wrong theology. The second one, consumerism, I think is a huge obstacle to this. You know, we live in a culture of consumerism. Personal advancement, economic growth, and individual comfort are the primary drivers for our society. You know, our policies and, and politics are constructed uh, out of greed and acquisition and efficiency, not out of cultivation and stewardship. Um, even personally, um, me personally, like I, I value convenience and uh, price and efficiency a lot higher most of the time than I do stewardship. It's like, okay, I think there's something about consumerism in our society that, that places the highest value and the highest priority on, okay, how, what's the quick fix? What's the easiest way to get the most out of this with no regard to how it might uh, impact uh, our level of stewardship? Another one, um, I'll, I'll just use a fancy philosophy term. It's called dualism, where, where we separate physical things and spiritual things into dual and opposing realities. So spiritual things are good, physical things are bad. This has been like a philosophical battle in the church for 2000 years where people think that the only good stuff in life is the spiritual things that we do. Uh, it, all the spiritual stuff, all the emotional stuff, all the relational stuff, that's the good stuff. People are good, uh, but you know, physical stuff, that's all that's gonna burn up. It's not really important. Um, and when we look at the scriptures, uh, that's not really the picture we get. We get this picture of spiritual and physical realities interwoven so inextricably, just so tied together. The Holy Spirit always moving, indwelling our own bodies, even in communion. It's this physical and spiritual reality tied together. Uh, that's what the, the scriptures show us. But this, this dualism, this worldview has totally hijacked the Western church. And we, we just sort of come up with this indifference uh, towards creation. We become disinterested towards it. You know, if, if the physical world doesn't have inherent worth or goodness, what does it matter if we abuse it? What does it matter if we don't steward it well? That's kind of the picture that we get there. And I think that's a, an obstacle that we hit sometimes. Lastly, um, I think just the stigma of being environmentally friendly. Um, I don't, I mean, some of us are just like, I don't wanna be like a tree hugger. I don't wanna be a hippie that's like, you know, always concerned with what plate I'm eating on, you know? And, and especially in the South, this is a pretty huge obstacle because it's just not on our radar very much. And it's sort of seen in the Southern culture as this like, oh, you're like a Northerner, like up from the Northwest, like, all environmentally friendly. And that's honestly kind of how our Southern culture sees it. But if you, I mean, it, it's really interesting. If you go up to some of the churches 
um, in the Northwest. Jared, Jared's smiling over here. He's from the Northwest. Song to Aaron Etheridge, our campus pastor at the Cannery. He's from the Northwest. And he talks about how some of the churches sort of view their level of stewardship as worship. It's not this shallow, like, oh, I need to be careful about uh, what I recycle and don't. It's this, okay, we want to worship God through our stewardship. So it's like when somebody brings, you know, hundreds of paper plates to a church gathering, they're like, why, why are we doing this? You know, this is so wasteful. Why, can't we just use regular plates? And for us, that's like, that's so ridiculous. Why does that even matter that much? Is it really going to make that big of a deal? And, and, and maybe, maybe not in the, in the grand scheme of things, but, but God has called us individually uh, to live this way, I think. Uh, and to be mindful of how we steward creation. And, and it's gonna look different for all of us. You know, all of us um, aren't, aren't gonna have these major epic changes in our life, but I, I do think that God is calling our community, uh, communally and individually, into taking some steps in this area. Not out of shame and like, you know, oh, you're using a plastic cup. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's so bad, dude. You know, that's not what we're going for. We're going for just this idea of, okay, how can I be more mindful of, of, how, of what choices I'm making in life as a way of worshiping God and participating in the mission of God of seeing creation restored and redeemed. That's, that's the picture. So, so um, as we close, I want to encourage you to take a step. You know, as you grow in your conviction about this, you know, I, I think this will be more apparent that um, when, when we see God's view of this, I think it changes how we interact with our surroundings a little bit. And it's okay if, if you're not like over here uh, or, or where maybe I am today. It's taken me almost a year to like kind of get to this level of, okay, God, I think this is something, a word you have for our church, a big word you have for me. And, and that's okay if you're not there yet. Um, as you grow in this conviction, I think God might begin to show you some ways you might participate in this, but don't feel bad if you're like not where I am in this moment. Um, but I do wanna give you a, a, a few ways that, that we're gonna make some, some changes. Um, so communally, this is how it's gonna look. We're gonna make a few changes just with our church at, at Hillsborough Village. Um, we're a little more nimble than like the cannery, so we can make some changes a little quicker. But uh, an easy one for us, communion cups. We use thousands of communion cups every year that go straight in the garbage and straight to a landfill. And it's like very easy to just be like, hey, on your way out, recycling bin. That's an easy way for us to worship God as a community by recycling communion cups. So next week we'll have a recycling bin in the back. Um, secondly, and this one will be a little more um, close to home for some of us. Um, we are going to make some changes to how we do coffee. So we use styrofoam cups for coffee. And we do tens of thousands of styrofoam cups every year just at this campus. And styrofoam is very hard to recycle. And so so we really want to think, okay, how are we as a church going to take a step in this area? How can we change up some things? So uh, the change that we've decided on really goes down to why we have coffee even in the first place. So we have coffee here in our, in our worship gathering because it helps people feel comfortable uh, when they're new or if they're not familiar with the situation, if they're new at Ethos. It's really helpful to have something warm and something familiar in your hands. You know, that whole idiom, it's like, what do I do with my hands? It's like, hold your coffee. That's what you do. And, and it just makes things a little more comfortable. And that, that's really why we have it. We're not entitled to coffee just because this is a church, right? It's like, that, that's not why we have coffee because, you know, that's, you know, if we go to the Bible, there's, you offer coffee, Hebrews maybe, no. Um, bad Bible joke. Don't repeat that. Bad Bible joke. Um, and uh, that's, that's why we have coffee. And, and so the change that we want to make is centered around that purpose for coffee. I totally lost some of you on that one. <laughs> um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask, or we're going to stop using styrofoam. And we're going to ask that if you're a family member, or if you're a regular here, if you kind of know the situation, that you bring your own mug if you want to have coffee. We're going to keep offering it for free, but we just ask that you bring your own mug. 
And, and if you forget your mug, that's okay. We're gonna have some mugs available for purchase. They're gonna have the Ethos logo on them. They're gonna be super normal mugs. And, uh, and you can buy them almost at cost for like $2. Uh, so you can just keep buying mugs every week if you want. Um, but the hope is that we get to a, a culture of saying, hey, I, I'm gonna bring my own mug um, back to Ethos. And, and uh, there's a little bit of money we're gonna make on those cups that will help us give these mugs away for free to people that are joining us for the first time. Just kind of take, hey, that's, that's our gift to you. Um, so we're, we're gonna go away from styrofoam and, and go to mugs. That'll start next week. And this is a way that we as a community want to worship God. Uh, this, and, and so this is the why I'm doing all this teaching in the first place. It's because I didn't want to just say, hey guys, we're, we're not going to use styrofoam anymore. Bring your own mug. It's like that's, that addresses the behavior. That doesn't address the, the vision and the impact of why we're doing this and why this is a way that we steward creation well. So uh, communally, that's some steps we're going to take. Um, but personally, this is going to look different for all of you. Um, and, and I'm not going to sit up here and tell you how that's going to look. Uh, you know, we, we, we could talk about, you know, things like, okay, let's not contribute you know, to the, the, the decaying of creation. Let's, let's go the other way. So let's not participate in activities that increase pollution or, um, you know, exploit and exhaust natural resources or abuse the created world. Let's stay away from those and let's do things that um, advocate for the stewarding of creation. Let's participate in policy development that, that really helps uh, care for the environment. Um, let's recycle things that can be recycled. Let's fight against human-induced climate change. Climate change. Like, these are things that we could talk generally, but specifically in your life, I can't tell you what to, what to do in this area, and I don't want to tell you what to do in this area. I don't want to shame you into like, feeling guilty if you use a paper cup or paper plate for your leftovers. That's not, that's not the point. What I do want to do is challenge you to just uh, evaluate your life, to evaluate your, your life choices in regards to stewardship, just examine some things. One of the questions I've been asking myself is, um, what ways does consumerism uh, take an unnecessary higher priority than stewardship in my life? What ways does consumerism kind of drive all my purchasing decisions? Uh, and what ways can I make an easy shift to stewarding creation better? Um, that's a question I've been asking myself. Maybe you want to ask yourself that as well. For some of you, this might be a deep, deep conviction and you want to make some big changes in your life. And, and that's awesome. And, uh, we, and some of you like already bring your own mugs. And that's, that's great. You're already, like, you're already involved in this. And, and that's something that you've already thought about. Um, for others of you, this might look like a very small step. Uh, for others of you, this might be, I'm, I'm not really on board with this yet. I don't, I don't really know if my heart is really there. And I just want to ask God to help me see this vision of, of what he's doing in creation and help me buy into it, help me have motivation for it. Maybe that's where you're at. Um, as we leave, um, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what that step is, um, I, I just got on the internet and got like 10 easy first steps of like really practical everyday things. Um, if you want to take a step in worship, uh, um, of God in this way. And those will be on the connect table on your way out. It's literally just one page that I got off the internet. It's not like formatted well. It's just like, hey, here's some ideas. And, um, and I encourage you to take that if you want to. It's not you know, mandatory. We're not gonna like force you to take it. But if you're looking for some ways to take steps, um, that's an easy way to take steps. So I, I wanna leave you just with, with an encouragement today out of 1 Corinthians um, chapter 10. This is verse 31. And it says, whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all for the glory of God. Um, I think that's the heartbeat of what we're wanting to do. You know, whatever you do, um, if, if you're here worshiping and lifting your hands and praising God, if you're praying, if you're studying the scriptures, if you're in house church, and if you're eating your food, and if you're throwing away trash, like how do we do that in a way that glorifies God? That, that's the idea. We, we want to do everything in our lives 
um, uh, to glorify God. So um, I'm gonna pray for us and send us to communion and uh, then we'll continue in worship. Um, God, thank you so much just for your creation. Thanks for creating it good and thanks for creating it beautiful. Uh, we just praise you for the ways that, that we see you uh, displayed in, in this beautiful world that you've created. Uh, God, help us uh, to, not to um, be, be like the college student that just kind of takes it of our own and, and wrecks the place. Um, help us see this uh, as stewards, uh, to care for it with intentionality and compassion in the same way that you do for us. Um, God, we repent of our extravagance, the ways that we have exploited and uh, just sort of put our own gain, our own desires and our own wants above uh, some of the, the things that you, you have for us in terms of worshiping you this way. Um, help us just to see your vision for this from your perspective and, and just to take a step today in worshiping you in this way. God, we love you so much and we ask all of this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.